Thank you for joining us today. For more information about our service times, visit okoegt.com. Also, stay in touch with us on social media by liking us on Facebook and following us on Instagram at okoegt. Now let's prepare our hearts as we go into the message. Hey, take the Bible you have, whether it's in book form or digital form, and hold it high in the air, and then say this after me. This is my Bible, God's holy word. I am what it says I am, and I will do what it says for me to do. I place myself under the authority of God's word. It says I am blessed. Therefore, I am blessed. It says I am an overcomer. Therefore, I overcome every obstacle, every challenge, and every hindrance through the name above every name, Jesus Christ. I open my heart. I open my mind to receive God's word. I receive this word, and I confess this word. In the name of Jesus, amen. Well, let me begin by saying happy Labor Day weekend. A Labor Day observed on the first Monday in September is a celebration of the social and economic achievement of the American workers. It's a day to recognize the contribution of workers to the strength, prosperity, and well-being of uh, our country. The history of Labor Day goes back to 1894 when Congress declared the first Monday in September a national holiday to honor the nation's workers and their contributions. And today it remains a federal holiday in the United States, paying tribute to the American labor movement and to the works and contributions of laborers. So this weekend is more than just a day off work. It's more than just a long weekend, a time to go to the beach. Somebody say, hey, man, let's go. Or the holiday that ends summer vacation and starts what we Floridians call the fall. (laughs) Just more heat. (laughs) It's about the worker. It's about his and her hard work. It's about taking pride in the accomplishments of the worker who has built this country. It can also be a teaching moment about work ethic. Labor Day can be an opportunity for parents to talk to their children about the importance of hard work and the value of different types of of jobs. It's a chance to discuss the history of the labor movement and the workers' rights and fostering an appreciation for the contribution of workers in society. But I also believe it's an opportunity for us to redeem this time. As believers, as followers of Christ, we can redeem this time. So today we're going to talk about the importance of work and working in and for the kingdom of God. When you came in today, you received your sermon notes and you'll notice the title is this, to labor for the Lord. 
Now, there are some key verses throughout the word which, which I think are important for us to read. They're not in your notes, so you can write these down for later study. But I think it's important to read them this morning. The first is found in the book of Colossians chapter 3, verse 23 and verse 24. Paul writes, work willingly at whatever you do as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. Remember that the Lord will give you an inheritance as your reward and that the master you are serving is Christ. So notice how the word of God elevates the work that we do. It elevates our production, the work. Turn with me to 2 Thessalonians or, or simply write this verse. 2 Thessalonians 3, verse 10 through 12. Even while we were with you, we gave you this command. Those unwilling to work will not get to eat. Uh-oh. Yet we hear that some of you are living idle lives, refusing to work and meddling in other people's business. Oh, Paul didn't play. <laughs> we commend such people and urge them in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ to settle down, settle down, and work to earn their own living. You can't read passages without reading a verse from Proverbs. Go to the Old Testament real quick to Proverbs 14, verse 23. Work brings profit, but mere talk leads to poverty. True? Work brings profit, but mere talk leads to poverty. Go back to the New Testament, to the book of Ephesians, chapter 4, verse 28. Ephesians 4, verse 28. If you are a thief, quit stealing. Don't look at your neighbor. This is not the time to look at your neighbor. <laughs> Instead, use your hands for good, hard work and then give generously to others in need. Use your hands for good, hard work so you can be what? Generous to those in need. And it's important to always remember those in need. I'm glad that we live in a society, in a country that has a system that helps those that are broken, that are hurt, that, are, that don't have the ability to work because of physical conditions and because of, of, of things that they have no control over. I'm thankful for that. But when you have the ability and the strength to work, guess what? Work. You say, well, pastor, why do you read that verse in Ephesians 4.28? If you're a thief, quit stealing. Because you know ain't nobody in here a thief. Let's go to the next verse. We'll come back to that in a little bit, I promise. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 58. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 58. So, my dear brothers and sisters, be strong and immovable. Always work enthusiastically for the Lord. For you know that nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. Can you say amen? amen? Now go over to our last verse, one more chapter, 1 Corinthians 16, verse 8 
in verse 9. In the meantime, Paul writes, I will be staying here at Ephesus until the festival of Pentecost. There is a wide open door for a great work here, although many oppose me. So let's get started. Notice in your outline, write this word, write the word opportunity. See work as an opportunity. In the Christian perspective, work is not just a means to to earn a living or achieve a, a personal success. It is seen as a form of worship and service to God. Going back to Colossians 3, verse 23, work willingly at whatever you do as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. Remember that the Lord will give you an inheritance as your reward and that the master you are serving, the boss you are serving, the one you are working to is Christ. Work willingly. So I want to challenge us on this Labor Day weekend. See your work as worship to God. I think our challenge is this. We have regulated worship to a day of the week or to a song or songs that we sing rather than the life we live. See, worship is who we are rather than what we do on a certain day. Yes, worship is those things, but it's also so much more. Worship is a song we sing. Worship is a day that we set aside to come together. But also worship is who we are as a person who we are as an individual, who we are as a Christ follower. So see your work as worship to God. Write this word under me. Write the word service. See your work as service to the Lord. See, the New Testament idea is though you are working, see it as working to the Lord rather than for people. So the word elevates what we do as Christians as working for the Lord. This perspective changes how one approaches work, shifting from merely pursuing personal gain to seeking to honor God in all that we do. See, It elevates it to not just working for a paycheck, not just working for the end of the month when you get paid, uh, but but working to the Lord because your work is unto the Lord. Now, notice, notice, it's also honoring the Lord in all we do. Now, we've read our passage in the New Living Translation I want to read it out of the message translation, which is a paraphrase in today's language. Let's go back to verse 22. Servants, do what you're told by your earthly masters. Now, you can translate that. Hey, employee, do what your employer has asked you. And don't just do the minimum that will get you by. Do your best. 
Now's a good time to give the elbow to your neighbor. Don't just do enough, the minimum, but do your best. Verse 23, work from the heart for your real master is God. Work from your heart. Work from the core of who you are. Work from the core of of, of your being because your real boss, the one who has really given you the evaluation at the end, come on somebody, (laughs) he's going to evaluate everything you do. (laughs) It's God. See, often you may have a Maybe a quarter review, maybe you have a yearly review or biannual review, but guess what? There's coming a review of all reviews one day. Now, verse 24, confident that you'll get paid in full when you come into your inheritance. Keep in mind always that the ultimate one you're serving is Christ. It's Christ. It's not that old grouchy boss. It's not that supervisor that sometimes gets on your nerves. No, the one you're serving, your ultimate boss is Christ, is the Lord. Now, verse 25, the sullen servant. That's an old word, the sullen, the one, the downcast, the one that's just got a, a complaining attitude. Grumpy. How many remember the the movie Grumpy Old Men? (laughs) The grumpy old employee. (laughs) Y'all need to lighten up a little bit. Come on. (laughs) I love this. The sullen servant who does shoddy work will be held responsible. Being a follower of Jesus doesn't cover up bad work. You, You need to buy the message translation Bible just for that verse right there. (laughs) <laughs> Come on. Just that verse right there, just because you're a follower of Christ, doesn't cover up bad work. Work as unto the Lord. Now, write this. Write the word gift. We believe your gift will make room for you. So be faithful in your efforts. Your gift will make room for you. Be faithful in your duties. The Lord will cause you to get noticed. Be faithful in your work and promotion will come your way. See your work as an opportunity to worship God through what you do. To serve the Lord and not man. See work as an opportunity to honor the Lord and to honor his name. And in so doing, your gift will make room for you. Let's talk secondly about the elements of godly work. Write that word elements. One of those elements is hard work. See, the Bible encourages diligence and hard work. Going back to Proverbs 14, verse 23, work brings profit, but mere talk leads to poverty. This means that success is not achieved through empty words, but through consistent effort and determination. Showing up every day and producing. Showing up every day and being present. Showing up every day and doing a good job. Oh, you ain't shouting me down right now. 
showing up every day and working as unto the Lord. However, mere talk, just talking a good game, words with no meaning, words with no action, leads to poverty. It leads to lack. It leads to having nothing. It leads to a state of poverty. See, hard work in biblical literature is seen as a virtue, as a way to cultivate character, and as a means to contribute positively to society. But not only to society, but to your family, to your community. It makes our communities better, where your kids grow up where your kids do life, when you and I work hard, when you and I show up, when you and I work as unto the Lord, it not only affects us and our family and our church, and our, but it will affect the community as a whole positively. Let me read another verse from Proverbs. You go back a few chapters to chapter 12, uh, verse 11. A hard worker has plenty of food, but a person who chases fantasies has no sins. So hard work is not only a necessary part of life, but it's also a form of service to God. It is seen as a way to to use our talents and our abilities that God has given us to contribute to the world around us. Additionally, hard work, additionally, hard work that... While the Bible encourages us to work hard, it also emphasizes the importance of rest and maintaining a balanced life. Just like some have gone to the extreme and not work at all, there are others who go to the other extreme and all they ever do is work and there's not balance in their life. It affects their family negatively. It affects the community in a negative way. Because if your family's affected in a negative way, it affects the community. Set time aside for worship. Set time aside for your family. Yes, work hard, but have balance. The Bible talks about the Sabbath. Create a Sabbath in your life. Your physical body needs to be refreshed. Just like your mind needs to be renewed and refreshed, your physical body needs rest. The early church started worshiping the risen Lord on the first day of the week. And we have followed that tradition for over 2,000 years. It is what we call our Sabbath. It's a day that we set aside to be in the house of the Lord. It's a day where we set aside to rest. Your physical body needs it. So, yes, work hard, but have balance in your life. Write this, integrity. Write the word integrity under B, integrity in work. See, integrity involves being honest, fair, upstanding in all of our dealings. So now let's go back to Ephesians 4, verse 28. The Bible encourages or discourages, the Bible discourages theft and encourages one to work and do something useful. So let's read this verse again. If you are a thief, quit stealing. 
Instead, use your hands for good work and then give generously to others in need. Notice a byproduct of us working hard, us receiving uh, 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 financial reward from working hard so we can be generous to others. We can be generous in the kingdom. See, the Lord is developing a heart of generosity in you. It's not just about building up bank accounts. It's not just about, about just paying your bills. See, God elevates your work to something higher. He elevates it to the fact that, that you're helping advance the kingdom of God. You're helping to advance the gospel of Jesus Christ, and you are showing the heart and love of the Lord to others. Now, I know what you're thinking. Pastor, none of us are going to go out and blatantly just steal something. God, we are not, or pastor, we are not thieves. Matter of fact, you hate thievery. You realize thievery affects everyone in a negative way. People steal stuff off the shelves. They walk out without paying for it. In the end, prices go higher. You and I have to pay for that because they have to recover what has been stolen. Thievery affects each of us. It affects all of us, either directly or indirectly. We all would say, thieves need to stop stealing and get a real job. You know you said that. You need to get a real job. Let me ask, what is the thing, the item, if you had to list the item that is stolen the most, what would it be? I ain't talking about Snickers candy bar either. <laughs> what is that which is stolen the most? The item that is stolen the most. And a whole lot of people would never consider themselves thieves. You ready for the answer? You heard it. Time. Time. Oh, aren't you glad you came to church today? Just to get slapped around a little bit. Just to get stomped on, abused a little bit. It's Labor Day, don't worry, you get a day off tomorrow. <laughs> you can recover from the sermon. <laughs> Business News Daily has an article published July the 31st, 19, no, not 19, 2023. <laughs> Other words, just a month ago. And the title is Eight Ways Employees Commit Time Theft. Now, I'm not going to give all eight ways, but there were several that I thought that we could speak about. And one is this, extended lunch breaks. Oh, I'm just running late. Oh, I need to do this errand before I get back. Oh, the boss won't matter. See time. Time is important. How you manage time is a witness to your character, a witness to your life. So one of the ways that we, we, we steal time and, and, and don't really even realize it is taking extended lunch breaks. Or, or you know what? You get a 15-minute break about every two and a half hours or so, and then, and then you're taking 17 minutes instead of 15. You're taking 20 minutes instead of... But let, let 4.59 hit, and where are we at? We at that time clock just waiting. <laughs> Just waiting. Click. 
We're out. We're going home. Another way. Mobile phone usage. <laughs> I didn't write the article. I need all my staff to be paying attention right now. <laughs> you're there. You're doing that report. You're about to get it all done. And you're zoom, zoom, zoom. Oh, zoom, zoom, zoom. <laughs> All right, let me look at it. Before you know it, 10 minutes have gone by and you're responding to a text or you're responding to something or to the news article that's downloaded. Another one, and, and listen, this day and age, work has changed. A lot of people are working from home. You're working from your, your computer is now your office. <laughs> Did you know there are programs to show you're online and you're attending that meeting when you're really not attending that meeting? I know you don't know about those programs. I know you've not downloaded those programs for that boss to see a picture of you and you're over here surfing the internet. <laughs> you're over here on Amazon <laughs> Prime. Oh, it's Amazon Prime Day. I'm going to get my deal. <laughs> and you hear that little, that little bell go off, meaning... It just dropped in price. I got to hurry up and get it. None of us would consider ourselves these. None of us would go into a store and blatantly just steal something. None of us would go in and steal anything from our neighbor. We might borrow something from our neighbor. <laughs> we ain't going to steal it. But time. Time theft is not just something dealing with the employer and employee. Time is viewed from a biblical context as an asset. Let's talk about time and the kingdom. How often have we squandered time in kingdom work? Romans 12 or 13 verse 12 speaks of the night is almost gone. Luke records the words of Jesus when he said the time is coming when all these things will be completely demolished. Paul, writing to the Corinthian church, states the time that remains is very short. See, the word presents the idea of making the most of our time. It talks about redeeming the time. Ephesians 5 verse 15. Let me read it out of the English Standard Version. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord is wanting and what the will of the Lord is. Do not be drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. Now notice, being filled with the Spirit and making the best use of time go hand in hand. The message says, make the most of every chance you give. These are desperate times. So the word is very clear. We have a responsibility when it comes to time to use it wisely and with honesty. When it comes to time, may we operate in integrity. Another element of godly work ethic is diligence. 
See, diligence is about paying attention to details, persevering even in the face of difficulties, and not giving up until the task at hand is completed. Again, Colossians 3, verse 23, work willingly at whatever you do as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. Write these three things. See God as the ultimate employer. See God as the ultimate employer. When we view our work as being ultimately for God, it changes how we approach our task. It, it changes how we show up on Monday mornings. And it changes how we show up on Friday. It really affects how we show up. It's not just about pleasing a human boss or meeting a human standard. Instead, we're aiming to meet God's standards, which are always higher. This can motivate us to give our best effort in all things, knowing that God sees and values our work even when others do not. Let me tell you what hard work does. It promotes excellence. Write that word excellence. Work as unto the Lord promotes excellence in all we do. Knowing that our work is ultimately for God can inspire us to deliver high quality results regardless of whether anyone ever notices. Another thing it does, write the word perseverance. Working as unto the Lord encourages perseverance. See, in times of difficulty or unfair treatment at work, remembering that we are serving God can provide the strength to persevere. It reassures us that our efforts are seen and valued by God, even if they're overlooked by others. I can remember I was a youth pastor at this one church. It was a country church. I think the pastor must have had a bad day. He was my boss, you know, must just, just something bad going in his life, and it was tough. And I'll never forget, I show up to work, and he's got a paintbrush in one hand and a can of paint in the other. He says, your job today is to go out to the cemetery, which was next door to the church, and paint graves. I'm the youth pastor. My responsibility is to lead young people. And my boss said, go paint graves. What did I do? I went and painted graves. Now, I'm not going to be up here and act like I did it with a joyful heart and I was <laughs> worshiping the Lord and I was, I was more like wrestling with the Lord. I was like wrestling with the Lord. Lord. Do you see how unfair this is? Do you see how, Lord, this is, I'm here, I'm on my hands, I'm painting graves. Literally, I ain't lying to you. I'm painting graves. And I'm just complaining to the Lord. I'm just talking to the Lord. And you know what I could, what the Lord said to me? The best as I could tell what the Lord said to me was, keep painting graves. Keep painting graves. 
The Lord was doing a work in me. I didn't realize what was going on in that individual's life. I didn't know what was happening in the parsonage. I didn't know what was going on behind closed doors. I didn't know the frustration, the pain, the anger was there. I didn't know all these things, but God did. What God was doing, he was developing me. He didn't tell me to lead a rebellion. He didn't tell me to, to, to get angry and, and stand up and say, God bless, I ain't going to do none of that. He told me, paint that grave, boy. Paint it. Paint that, but paint it to the best of your ability. <laughs> Don't do it sloppy. Get in all the crevices and paint. You can go back to that cemetery today. Some of those graves still have white paint on them when I painted those things 34 years ago. No lie. You think I'm playing. Another element of godly work ethic is the spirit of service. When we view our work as a service to others and to God, it brings a great purpose and meaning to what we do. It's not just about what we get out of work, but what we can give through our work. See, Christianity elevates our work from simply something we have to do to survive. Our work becomes a way to love and serve our neighbors, our community, and, our, and others. You remember the words of Jesus? Jesus said, hey, if someone comes to you and asks you to carry their stuff for a mile, you go two miles. If they ask you to carry their stuff a mile, you go two miles. Let me give the context of that. In biblical times, in the days of Christ, Roman soldiers had the right to come up to a non-Roman individual, non-citizen, and really command and order them to carry their gear for a mile. And they had, under the law, had to oblige. They had to carry that gear for a mile. And here's Jesus. Jesus says, you don't take it just a mile. You take it two miles. Don't just do the minimal. Don't do just enough to get by. Don't do just enough to get noticed. Do your best. Take it a second mile. Now, church, I'm going to be honest. When I'm there in that graveyard, and I'm on my knees, and I'm slapping paint on those graves, I'm thinking, Lord, this is hard. This is tough. But what I did on the next grave is I got a wire brush. Instead of just slapping paint on that thing, I began to prepare it. I began to get it ready. Because I was working to the Lord. God was going to inspect that. My boss never came out to said, good job. My boss never came out and said, oh, that's a pretty paint job. But Jesus saw it. And promotion comes from the Lord. I shared that. I respect that man. Even today, I honor that man. I'm not sharing that with you to make it look as a bad thing. There was things going on that I never knew. I share that to help you understand. Sometimes you're called to do some things you don't like to do. You think it's beneath you. But Jesus says, go two miles. Go the extra 
mile. Finally, we realize our ultimate reward is from the Lord. Now, the Bible teaches that while we may receive earthly rewards for our work, our ultimate reward comes from the Lord. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 58, often we hear this verse read at the graveside when someone has passed. Because it's here in 1 Corinthians 15 that is the great word where Paul says that this corruptible must put on incorruption and this mortal must put on immortality. Then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. It's a, it's a chapter full of hope. It's a chapter talking about the resurrection of the dead and Christ coming again. And in that context, the very last verse of that chapter, Paul says this. So, my dear brothers and sisters, be strong and immovable. Always work enthusiastically for the Lord. For you know that nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. Brother and sister... When you feel like the world is crashing in on you, be strong and immovable. Brother and sister, when you feel like you're being abused and taken advantage of on the job, you be strong and immovable. Always work enthusiastically. When you feel like you've been passed over for the promotion and nobody's been more faithful than you, don't give up. Don't stop. Don't quit. Be strong and immovable because you're working as unto the Lord. I promise you your gift will make room for you. I promise you today promotion comes from the Lord. You may feel like the boss man has come out and told you, get a paintbrush and get some paint and go paint some graves. Be strong and movable because God's got a plan. God's still working. God sees you. You may feel like everything you've ever done has never been noticed by your employer, but be strong and movable. Work as unto the Lord because he sees you. Let's worship the King.